This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. I'm Ryan Wilson, filling in for Katie Mox and Will Brinson. And this is the latest edition of the Pick 6 All 32. Our look at every team around the NFL before the start of the regular season. And today, we are talking New Orleans Saints. And help us do that. Jeff Nowak, the digital producer and Saints sideline reporter for Odyssey Sports and WWLAM-FM. And he also hosts Inside Black and Gold Podcast. We are grateful for a few minutes of his time because as we're recording this, Jeff, training camp is officially underway. You just said you came back uh, from practice on, uh, I'll go inside secret here, Wednesday, July 26th, and uh, you don't you don't look sweaty at all. You know what? I actually, I managed this, so I spend the entire month of July basically trying to go outside for runs in the hottest part of the day. So I like acclimate myself to having to stand out there. But yeah, this was the first day of practice. It was shorter which kind of helps the media as well as the players. I think it was about a 90-minute practice today, and tomorrow is going to be an hour 45, and they kind of work their way up. But it, it's just, you know, as a football junkie, today kind of feels like, I don't know, I don't want to say the first day of school because I never looked forward to the first day of school. It's kind of like the first day of, like, summer camp, and everyone's yeah. out there, everyone's excited, and, they like, the grind hasn't set in yet. And I just, I, I'm very giddy this time of year. It's kind of like a kid waking up on Christmas morning. No, that's a great way to put it. It's not the first day of school unless you're a nerd and you're looking forward to it. <laughs> unless to, you to, really to, like school. Which <laughs> unless you love like school. Everything. But I think camp is the right way to think about it. Or like uh, for me, we were talking, I grew up in North Carolina, like May during middle school when there, the field trip was coming up. Like that was a big right, deal. You get right, to get right, out of right. school. You get to go to the park, uh, do whatever you do back in the 80s. Uh, I'm a little older than you. But all right, let's start with the truly important stuff. All right, Jeff, how? Surprised were you that head coach Dennis Allen ran faster than some of the players after practice the other day running gassers? Because I would imagine no matter how much you weigh, if you're 25 to 32 years old, you can't let your 52-year-old head coach beat you. Yeah, so that was kind of funny. He doesn't typically do that. Marshawn Lattimore challenged him to run with the team. Um, and so he said, bet, and he did it. And he said he didn't run faster than Marshawn because he said that if he did, that would have been a problem. For real. Um but he did run faster than some of the linemen, which, you know, I guess when you're 300 pounds, you get a pass. Uh, but, you know, DA, he's one of the more athletic head coaches, if you look at it that yeah. way. And I do think that one of the things that's, that really kind of stands out this year compared to last year, which I think there was a lot of uncertainty, was his first year as the head coach. I don't know if he felt as comfortable in his position because it just kind of put yourself in in his shoes of, I'm stepping in and taking over for Sean Payton. I'm 
kind of taking on a lot of his staff. Is this really my team or am I just coaching Sean's team? I think there was some idea within the organization or maybe just, you know, rumors around it that, well, Sean could theoretically come back. There's nothing right. ruling that out. And I do think this year he's been able to build his own staff. He brought in a quarterback he knows and likes and has worked with before. He brought in a bunch of assistants he's worked in with before, and he seems more comfortable. And I think that just that kind of moment of him running gassers with the team is a good indicator that I think this team is kind of more cohesive this time around. So it was kind of cool to see. No, that's a great point. Uh, just about the expectations and the concerns about your job, not just Dennis right. Allen, but but every coach around the league. Because uh, unless you're Bill Belichick, the the chances are maybe Mike Tomlin. You, you know, you got to win to to stay. But before we move on and get to serious stuff, I had to look this up. I'll be honest. But let's see. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here. And you, maybe this is common knowledge among Saints beat reporters and, and fans. But do you know where Dennis Allen played collegiately? Texas A&M. Okay, that was a layup. I didn't know that. Uh, what position do you know? What position he plays? Safety. Oh, okay. You're gonna know the next question then. Do you know his NFL experience as a player? <sighs> I know it was short. <laughs> Indeed. Um, <laughs> I know he started as a quality control assistant with the Falcons, um, and I think it was Mike Smith. I, I can't recall. Mike Johnson. I don't know. Either way, uh, his NFL career is is a not is not worth kind of. <laughs> remembering he but was no, in, I do not recall where he no, actually played. that's okay you you did good with the first two I was sort of surprised um not that you knew it but I didn't know it he he started he was in Bill's training camp in 96 okay and that was it then he he became a graduate assistant at uh, Texas A&M in 96 and the rest is history uh player wise and, and coaching wise um before we get going quickly remember everyone if you're all watching here on the YouTube to NFL and CBS, you can always like us, uh, watch us and like us and subscribe here. Or if you're listening to the podcast, do that on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And, and Jeff, if you didn't know, I do the old draft podcast with our buddy Rick Spielman. So you can check that out with the first pick if you're into that sort of thing because it is draft season all the time. All right, now to the truly serious stuff here. Um, why, why is Jimmy Graham back? I'll be honest. When I when I saw the headline that he had resigned, I, got, I said, "Oh, this is a one year, a one day thing. He's just re he's just going to retire with the team." And I'm like, "Wait a second, no, this guy he's going to turn 37 during the season. He hasn't been in New Orleans since the 2014 season." And you, let's see, doing the math, you weren't even in New Orleans at that point, correct? I was not. No, he was traded in 2015. I remember vividly him being traded because I was like, "Why?" And they brought back oh. Max Unger. They got a That's decent right. return. They blew the first round draft pick. They drafted Stefan Anthony, a guy who most people mm. have New Orleans would be like, who? Um, right. Get out of Clemson. But, you know, I think, and I had the same reaction as you. I saw the, the tweet come out and I was like, oh, well, they probably are just bringing him back so he can retire a Saint. And then I quickly, you know, became aware of like, no, this is a deal, right? This is a year, one year deal. They brought him in on Tuesday. No, Monday, which then they signed him on Tuesday. They put him through a workout. He looked good. You know, we saw him out there the first day of practice. He very much looks like Jimmy Graham, you know, and a lot of these guys will look great running around in, you know, shorts and a helmet. So you can't only take so much away from that, but he doesn't look like a guy who's completely cooked. I don't know how much he has left in the tank. He's still <laughs> six, seven. He could still box out guys on the goal line. I think that's the idea is, you know, even if you go back to his years with Chicago, he was not particularly productive. He still caught 11 touchdowns. So right. I think for a team that might be trying to hedge its bets on what if we don't have Michael Thomas, who can be that kind of elite red zone option? Jimmy is a guy who can help bring along the young tight ends and Juwan Johnson, Foster Morrow. 
he's a culture guy, right? He wants to be there. Dennis Allen said that basically the only place he wanted to play was New Orleans. It was either New Orleans or kind of just not play. And they've had talks over the past several years. And this was just the year that it worked out from both a financial and a role perspective. They said that they have an idea of a role for him. I don't know exactly what it's going to be. But let's let's face it. The Saints tight end room is not exactly the toughest nut to crack in terms of, oh, where can they find a spot for him? There's there's availability there. So I'm interested to see what he looks like when the pads come on. I'm interested to see how he kind of meshes with Derek Carr. But this is a ve- this is a very real signing. They're not just bringing him in. And I don't think Jimmy Graham would show up just for kind of a vanity run through training camp. I think this is more similar to when they brought back Ben Watson a few years ago, and he was later in his career, but they they rung some decent production out of him. Yeah, and you make a great point, Jeff, because if you look at the depth chart there, Shawan Johnson, Foster Moreau, who you mentioned, Jesse James, who played previously for the the Steelers and the Lions, and he he's not, uh, you know, he ain't going to be confused for Gronk, great blocker. Uh, Lucas Kroll, who played tight end with Kenny Pickett at Pitt, and Taysom Hill is listed here, but he he's not going to be, uh, he, he's actually looking, it sounds like you would know better than me, looking for more reps at wide receiver, given the quarterback situation seems to be settled. I actually chatted with Taysom today, and I asked him just point blank, I was like, I know on the depth chart you're listed as a tight end. Do you consider yourself a tight end? He just kind of grinned and was like, I'll consider myself whatever they tell me I am. But yeah, he's not a tight end. Whatever you want to call Taysom Hill, I think he just needs a separate spot on the depth chart because when you factor, when you're like saying how many tight ends you think they'll keep, add one because one of them is going to be Taysom Hill. And it's not because, and he pointed this out, he didn't, I don't think he lined up once. At inline tight end last year, <laughs> right? Right. I mean, I can start him at tight end in fantasy, and that's a win for me. But from a from a roster perspective, he's not a tight end. Yeah, he's closer to Devin Hester in terms of athlete than tight end right. uh, in that sense. You mentioned Michael Thomas, so let, let's go there. Um, so the offense, and you, you hinted at this last year with Dennis Allen's first year. Sean Payton took the year off. He's now in lost. Um, Denver. Denver, excuse me. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I know that some Chargers fans wanted him in Los Angeles. Right. And that offense with Sean Payton and Drew B- Breeze was what it was. And they were incredibly explosive. Pete Carmichael's been there forever. You didn't quite see uh, the connection from Sean Payton to Dennis Allen through Pete Carmichael last year. And that could be, obviously, for the quarterback reasons. We know Jameis was coming off the ACL, lost his job to Andy Dalton, uh, and things led to, to seven wins. But Derek Carr is now there. He has that relationship with DA that you talked about. And it sounds like Michael Thomas is going to be ready to go for the first time. And you actually wrote about this uh, recently. And you said Thomas has played in just 10 games the past three seasons due to that ankle and foot injury. He's ready to go uh, go after getting very limited work throughout OTAs and minicamp. And I'm sure that Saints fans have given up on Michael Thomas. But if he's there, that changes the complexion of this offense after what Chris Olave did last year. Alvin Kamara is now ready to go. And I, I think the question is, I'll, I'll put it this way. Can we expect Michael Thomas to return to the form? And what does that mean for Derek Carr? Well, you know, so I think, you know, Mike Thomas didn't play much last year, but I think what he answered in those three games or two and a half games, really, he can still do it. I mean, in that week one game, he caught two touchdowns late against the Atlanta. They won that game. Then I think it was a 16 point comeback. He caught another touchdown against the Bucs. And so if the question was, can he still get it done at the NFL level? He did. He had a foot injury, which was not the same as the ankle injury that had kept him out for that kind of a long stretch. He suffered that ankle injury in week one of the 2020 season against the Bucs, tried to play through it, made it worse. In that divisional round playoff game, he didn't catch a pass. And the way I kind of 
phrase it is if Michael Thomas is on the field and not catching a pass, Michael Thomas isn't actually on the field because that's just not what happens when he is out there. Right. And so I think this year you're just the question is not can he get it done? The question is how many games can you expect from him? And to me, I think if you get 12 to 14 games out of him, that is a major victory. And I don't care how you have to get it done. If you have to give him a game off every month, right? You play four games, you, you just have him on the bench. What do they call that in the ABA? Uh, load management. Load management, yeah. <laughs> right. If you have to load manage this season just to have him available <laughs> down the stretch and in the playoffs, I'm for it because the way this offense operates when he's on the field is significantly better. It works so much better when you have that elite chain mover, especially with a guy like Derek Carr, who's going to run the offense a lot more similarly to what Drew Brees did. I actually am a Jameis Winston fan. I think yeah. he gets a bad rap for how he operates. He never was a fit in in what Pete Carmichael and Sean Payton really wanted to do. They were trying to kind of cram a square peg into a round hole. And when Sean Payton was here, I think you were able to get that done. And they went. They started 5-2 and two before that knee injury. Last year with Pete Carmichael, it just was not a fit. And that's why he went to Derek Carr. And so one of the things that was a question this offseason was, does Mike Thomas want to be here? Does he want to go out somewhere else? He lives in Malibu in the offseason. What's keeping him in New Orleans? And as it turns out, he really wanted to play with Derek Carr. They connected right away. And so I think that partnership is exciting. And if you can get it, then this Saints offense looks really dynamic. Because you mentioned Chris Olave, Alvin Kamara. I think Jamal Williams you know, when you kind of look at it, he might be the best RB2 in the NFL. Like You'd, you'd be hard-pressed to name a second one unless you went to Atlanta and said maybe Bijan Robinson is technically the RB2 or whoever, <laughs> Tyler Algier. Right. Um, but no, I think if Mike Thomas is the biggest question mark, but he's also the piece that if you're looking at the Saints offense and you're trying to find a reason to be optimistic about it and optimistic about their chances to win double-digit games, make a run in the postseason, it all hinges on him and whether he can be there because – with him, they can be an elite offense. Without him, I think you're just trying to make it work and trying to rely on that defense. And as we've seen the last few years, it's just really hard to win that way consistently. Yeah, I'm with you. Look, I'm a Jameis fan too. And I, I joked last year, 18 months ago, that you know when he got the LASIK, he was basically playing blind. So the fact that he threw 30 touchdowns with one eye or whatever, that's great. But to your point, it didn't work out. And just a, a quick note here, Chris Olave, the rookie last year at Ohio State, led the team with the receptions with 72, followed by Alvin Kamara, obviously running back, but he does a little bit more than that. But I don't know if you want Alvin Kamara to consistently be your number two receiver. Juwan uh, Johnson behind him, the tight end, and, and then Rashid, uh, Rashid Shahid after that. So obviously the addition uh, or the return of a healthy Mike Thomas is huge. And you talked about the offense overall, Jeff, I, and I, I made this note here. What are the expectations for for Trevor Penning? Because uh, former first round pick, they traded up to get him, and it, it seems like that trade got lost in the mix because it, it was sort of convoluted in terms of what they had to give up, and battled injuries. And let's see here, I made a note. He played just twelve percent of the offensive snaps last year in twenty twenty two. Didn't play hardly at all as a rookie, uh, but now he has got to be fair or not. Tron, Tron, uh, Tron Armstead. 1.8, maybe not 2.0, but he's got to be close to that because that offensive line is really good. And if you have a weak link, that exacerbates issues down the line, as we know. But what does this mean for him coming into to the 2023 season? Yeah, I think you draft a, a 
offensive lineman in the first round, a tackle in the first round. By year two, you are very much expecting them to be the starter. I think they went into last season thinking, okay, we're going to give him time to develop. We might end up starting James Hurst the first half of the season, but hopefully by the second half of the season, Trevor Penning has come along. And you did see him get better. That final preseason game against the Chargers, he looked a lot better than he did in the first preseason game. And he messed up his foot. The Saints had a lot of weird foot injuries last year. Mike <laughs> was one of them. Cesar Ruiz, another first-round pick, had a Liz Frank injury. Trevor Penning had a Liz Frank injury mm-hmm. to end the season. And so we just haven't gotten a chance to see him try to get development. He started that Week 18 game against the Panthers. It was his first start at left tackle. He had been working in a lot of jumbo sets as he came back from that initial foot injury. And he looked good. He got really high marks from his coaches in how he performed in that game. And unfortunately, he ended it with an injury that has kept him off the field. He did practice today, but he did not participate in team drills. So I think he just got to see him improve. I think they want to go into this season with him as the left tackle. But you're kind of hedging in terms of what are you going to see from him? Is he going to have have developed enough? Because I don't think that he was the starter in week one last year. I think he needs footwork. He needs to develop his footwork, something that he never really had to think about at Northern Iowa as he just bullied everybody. But no, I mean, I think he has to be the, the intended starter at left tackle. And if he's not, then you have to start questioning, okay, what are you going to do with him? All right. I don't think you're going to move him. I don't think you're going to switch him over to right tackle. I don't think you're going to move him into guard. And so you're just, have you just wasted another first-round pick on this roster that feels like it has a very narrow margin for success? I don't know. But the expectation for me is to see him get out here, be a bully in the run game, and hopefully do enough to show he can be that starter but right now, we just haven't seen it enough because he hasn't been on the field. Yeah. No, I, I remember the trade. I thought it was curious trade up, but I remember talking to him at the combine and watching him at the senior bowl. And there's not an angrier person uh, when it comes to football on planet Earth. So you hope it works out for him because he he's he has the uh, the want to and, and the physical tools. Just a matter of putting it all together. All right, Jeff, take a quick break here. I'm going to ask you a quick question on the other side about the draft. I'm going to do some uh, Saints-related odds uh, when we get back right after this. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hey, everyone. This is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time. 
just like me, and also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Fiore Gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger, and don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. All right, Jeff. I mentioned uh, I do a little draft podcast in my spare time with uh, my buddy Rick Spielman here. So I'll be honest. I didn't love this draft for the Saints at the time. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what I think because it just it, how this plays out will be the most important thing. Uh, but as I look at it now, maybe I like it a little more because I feel like six of the seven players they drafted have an opportunity to contribute right away. The one, obviously, who will be the odd man out, so to speak, with Jake Hayner, the quarterback, because something dire would have to happen for him to see the field. But I feel like Brian Brzee, Built a huge need on the interior defensive line. Isaiah Foskey offers something along the edge. Kendra Miller, who's been uh, on the pup list, I think he just came off, uh, can obviously contribute right away at running back. Uh, Saldivieri offers some depth uh, on the interior. Jordan Howden, Howden can play right away uh, in the secondary, especially as the Marcus May situation sorts itself out. And A.T. Perry, the final pick, the wide receiver, has a chance to contribute as well because Mike Thomas injury, load management, whatever you want to call it. And there's not a ton of depth. It seems like they always, the Saints do find players who contribute that maybe folks outside of New Orleans haven't heard of. But what are the expectations for this draft class? And is it fair to say that Brzee and Foskey are the two guys that should hopefully contribute earliest? Yeah, so, you know, Brzee, I think you're going to put him in a rotation with Nathan Shepard and Colin Saunders and Malcolm Roach. And, and he's going to be a, a third down guy. I, th- I don't know if he can be a rundowns guy early in his career. I just don't know if the lower half is strong enough to, to hold up on early downs. And that's why you brought in Colin Saunders and you have Malcolm Roach. And so I'd like to see him be a rotational guy. And he's a later first round pick. You're okay with it. Um, Isaiah Foskey is another interesting guy because I'd really like to see Peyton Turner do something, right? First round pick from a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah. Hasn't been able to stay on the field. He got first team reps. He looked pretty good on the first day of camp. You're not in pads yet. It means nothing. But I guess first impressions are better than bad first impressions, right? Good first impressions. Either way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and if Isaiah Foskey wins that job and he has not looked otherworldly good, it's more an indicator that Peyton Turner just isn't getting the job done, and that's a negative. So I have high hopes for Isaiah Foskey in terms of what he can produce in year one in a rotational role, but I would rather not see him starting. And if he is, then that's an issue. Um, Jordan Howden's intriguing, too, because one of the trades you didn't talk about was the C.J. Gardner-Johnson trade right before last season, and the Saints really got nothing out of that when you look at the value of a guy who you just gave away. But they did bring back a fifth-round pick, and that fifth-round pick, Kind of when you they've made a bunch of moves, so it's not technically that pick, but they ended up with Jordan Howden in the fifth round. They drafted CJ Gardner Johnson in the fourth round. So I think this is a team that understands how to pull quality safeties out of the mid rounds. I think you're hoping that he can be another one of those guys. I don't know what his role is going to be in terms of is he going to work in at the nickel like CJ did? Is he going to kind of back up Marcus May, who might get suspended? He's dealing with some legal issues off the field that he's been dealing with for two years now. Um, so, you know, I, I think he's looked good and A.T. Perry is the other guy who 
I think he's a fringe roster candidate to begin yeah. with. He hasn't had a great start. I wouldn't be surprised if they stash him on the practice squad. Then Jay Kanner, obviously. But, you know, I think this is a team that understood it needed to overhaul its defensive line. Several of those defensive line players are now in, in other divisional opponents' rosters with David Onyemata up in Atlanta, Shai Tuttle over in Carolina, and then Ryan Nielsen, who's their former defensive line coach, up in Atlanta as well. Marcus Davenport's with the Vikings. So, you know, those draft picks... While I don't love the need element of them, I think need did meet value in that first right. round with Brian Brzee. And Isaiah Foskey just makes a whole lot of sense. He's the closest I've seen to a guy resembling Cam Jordan coming out in a long time in terms of what you can expect from a dependability perspective from just a kind of all-around run-stopping defensive tackle mold who can learn. So, you know, I, I'd like to see them minimally if i'm being honest i would like guys like peyton turner colin <laughs> right. saunders nathan shepherd to take over those spots but i do want to see them be able to come in and impact the game rotationally and maybe be a third down pass rusher if you're isaiah foskey um so you know this is a team that feels like it could win the nfc south this year yeah and absolutely. i think in, for them to do that they need to not be overly dependent on the rookies yeah, if it's any consolation, I love Peyton Turner coming out, and I wasn't crazy about Isaiah Foskey, so maybe the old Wilson Jinx there will sort things out. All right, you mentioned the division. Billy, let's get to it. Let's look at some odds here. So this is through uh, Caesars, and no surprise, and you touched at it, Jeff, that the, the Saints are the favorite. Do you like him at plus 120 to pull this thing off? Because here's the thing. I mean, you know this better than I do when you talk about this division. Is Des Ritter going to be the dude in, in Atlanta making his, his first start in year two? He has Bijan. He has Drake London. Uh, they have Kyle Pitts. Those are obviously formidable playmakers. Carolina's going with Bryce Young. Frank Reich's the coach there. And, of course, Baker Mayfield uh, scares absolutely no one, if we're being honest, in Tampa Bay, who's sort of going through an overhaul of sorts. Plus 120 seems good to me, but how do you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, you can basically just lop Tampa Bay off the bottom. I mean, <laughs> Baker Mayfield is the sacrificial lamb of the NFC South this year, let's be honest. And even if it's Kyle Trask, it doesn't change that much. I am still under the, the – I feel like there's a better chance than people are letting on that Taylor Heineke just wins that job. Not unlike Andy Dalton last year. I don't think Desmond Ritter is – you know, they took him in the third round. They are not yeah. beholden to him. Look at what the Titans did with Malik Willis after just – you know, a couple starts we're like, yeah, no, we're going to we're going to draft uh, Will Levis and we're going to move on. So I wouldn't be surprised if Taylor Heineke wins that job. And if he does, I think Atlanta becomes a lot scarier because whether oh, Ritter is going to be the guy or not, he's got a lot to learn. He's got a lot to de of development left ahead of him. The same reason I think Carolina is going to struggle because rookie quarterbacks struggle. Just that's that's just the name of the game. You do not see a ton of success out of rookie quarterbacks unless you're Russell Wilson and you land in the best possible situation. Dak Prescott's another example. But you look at guys, Peyton Manning struggled as a rookie. Eli Manning struggled as a rookie. Um, Andrew Luck, I think, is a bad example. But you, you understand what I'm saying. It's <laughs> Tyler Murray won rookie of the year and that team did nothing. So I don't have high expectations for what the Panthers can do from a win total perspective. So yeah, I mean, if you're if you're looking to make you know, if you're looking for a, a you know a bigger return and you want to go on the Falcons, I think they do have a decent shot if everything breaks their way. If Bijan Robinson has the type of season, I'm sure they're going to be hoping he does. Um, I could see them being trouble, but at the end of the day, if the Saints can get to nine wins, I think they win this division. And there's they also have the benefit of having the easiest schedule I've ever seen. I don't know if I've ever seen a schedule with fewer real quarterbacks on it. 
than the Saints this year. And that includes a bunch of rookies. You know, they could see Anthony Richardson. They could see C.J. Stroud. Jordan Love, who knows what to expect out of him. But again, guy, he's making his first career, you know, I guess not his first start, but his first extended run as a starter. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think if you're looking at the Saints and saying, should I bet them plus 120, uh, I think you have a pretty good chance. I don't think those odds are lying to you. Well, it's like you're you're reading the rundown here because next up, win totals. And you, you sort of hinted at it. Nine and a half, uh, that's the over plus 110. Under nine and a half is minus 130. So it feels like Vegas agrees with you, Jeff, that this team, uh, anything less than nine wins is going to be a disappointment. You talk about the schedule. You talk about the division. If he, if they go under nine, let's say they win eight games. Are people getting fired? Should there be some concern? Eight games, no, because I think you still win the division at eight games, or at least you're very <laughs> close to it. And I don't think you get playoffs. fired after winning your division. I think it progress is progress, especially when you're moving on from the, the Sean Payton, Drew Brees era. Right. This team just needs to prove it can get back to the playoffs and doesn't have to tear everything down with the culture that's been established. And if you can do that with eight wins, great. This 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 success is success in this organization after what has happened the last several seasons. Nine and a half is tough because I could see this team getting to nine wins in week 17 and then not having to play in week 18, <laughs> right? Like just like the, just like the bucks last season. So I, I don't know. I, I, I have a hard time betting over nine and a half, just knowing what I know in terms of, I don't expect a ton of wins out of the rest of this division. I could see a scenario where you're two games clear at nine and and what would it be seven? And then week 18, it's just like, okay, we're in the divisional round or the wild card round of the playoffs. Let's rest up and get there. And that's a bad, that's a really painful way to lose an over bet. Um, so, but I also don't feel comfortable on the under either, because as, as I've mentioned, this is a very weak schedule and I could easily see them winning 11 games. Um, so I know that's not a great, very helpful answer, but nine and a half feels high. No, I'm hearing that um, won seven games the last two the last year. What I'm hearing is if if you can find nine, get that. You won't find yes. it, but but if you yes. can, I would bet nine. If I could, <laughs> if I could get that down to eight and a half, I would bet it. There you go. All right, Derek Carr, 2023 regular season total regular season passing yards. Uh, the number is three thousand seven hundred seventy-five and a half. Uh, they're both at minus 115. Uh, so let's see, 3,700 and change. Let's see what he's done recently. Last year, before he he unceremoniously got sent to the bench after 15 games, 3,500. The three, four seasons before that, he eclipsed 4,000 yards. And two of the four seasons before that, he got 3,900 yards. This feels like a layup, maybe, but maybe the change in offense, even though he's reuniting with Dennis Allen, his former coach, complicates things. But But I sort of like this over. I'm betting this over too, um, for a lot of reasons. One being Alvin Kamara is the type of running back he has probably never had in terms of a pass catch, an elite pass catching back. Now, he might not be there for six games and that could complicate things. But I think just that alone, if he plays 11 games with Alvin Kamara, is going to really help his yardage. Because if he, if he has taken anything from the Drew Brees style of quarterbacking, which I know he has, it's, you know, there's no shame in just, dropping it down to Alvin yep. in the flat and letting him do the work week two against the Packers or I think it was week two, maybe week three. I can't remember week three, actually on Monday night football against the Packers uh, drew Brees in 2020 drew Brees just lobbed it over to Alvin on the side of the field. And Alvin just did the rest and took it 60 yards to the house without ever breaking into a sprint. Like that's the type of player Alvin is. And that that's really helpful to a quarterback in terms of your yardage total. 
Um, he's got elite downfield weapons in Rashid Shahid and Chris Olave. If he has Mike Thomas, Jawan Johnson's really intriguing. Jimmy Graham is another guy who can go up and get it. Uh, I think that that's, yeah. I mean, if I, if I was trying to pick the safest bet on this list, I think that would be it. And now that I've said that, you know, he's going to get hurt in week two. And Oh, no, I like this over. All things being equal. Yeah, you're right, betting Jeff. on health, in my opinion. If he's healthy and plays 16 games, uh, I think he gets there without a problem. No, I'm with you. All right, Jeff, I appreciate it. We ran over a little bit here, but this was this was a great discussion. So um, thank you, brother. I, I uh, Thank you for taking a moment out. I know you got to shower up and get ready for tomorrow. I think Friday is go time officially at practice for, in New Orleans. Is that right? It's when the fans show up, and, you know, I – Practices in New Orleans when they're open to fans are fantastic. I, it's it's stunning how many people are willing to sit in 95 degree temperatures just to watch guys run around in shorts. But they do it. They sell out. Every seat in those bleachers <laughs> is packed, and you can see it on the field. Like the the team gets into it. Everyone's excited. So that's that's the first one is on Friday, and then they have joint practices, which are going to be fun too. They're going to face the they're going to go out to LA and face the Chargers in a joint practice for that preseason game. They're going to host the Texans, so we'll get a good look at CJ Stroud. Get a good look Ooh. at Justin Herbert. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. All right. One last over under. Over under on uh, intra squad fights with the two joint practices. I'll set the line at one and a half. If Trevor Penning is out there, <laughs> I think I'm taking the over. Way uh, over. There was one time, there was a point last season that he got into a fight three days in a row with multiple players. <laughs> and, and at one point, Dennis Allen had to be like, guys, we are here to play football. <laughs> you know um, and then he, he kind of calmed down. One of them was with Peyton Turner. Another one was with JT Graves, a special teamer. Um, so yeah, I'm taking the over on that one. No, that's that's I, I blew the line on that. That's an easy layup. It's funny you mentioned that. I'll, I'll say this quickly, and then we'll get out of here. When I was talking to Trevor at, at the combine, I, I said, "How many times did coaches at the Sea Bowl have to pull you aside and tell you to quit body slamming guys in one-on-one drills?" He said it happened at least five times. Like I, I just I wouldn't stop doing it, and they were getting angry with me, and that has now played itself out in the league. And he's going to win you a lot of money if you take that one and a half there. All right, Jeff, appreciate it, man. Uh, you can find Jeff Nowak's work at Odyssey Sports and WWLAM FM and also on the Inside Black and Gold podcast. Uh, subscribe to this podcast. Give it a thumbs up. Like it on the YouTubes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Rich Podcasts, and we'll see you guys later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.